Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. The Athletic. Good morning. Welcome to the Daily Football Briefing from The Athletic. It's Tuesday, 7th of November. I'm Abby Patterson and today... Chelsea and Spurs unbeaten start to the season. I don't think there will be satisfaction within Chelsea, even though it was the result they needed. In a chaotic match in North London. There's a nasty element to this derby. There has historically been, you know, in recent years and years gone by, there were meaty challenges flying around. Plus a look at who can make it through to the knockout stages of the Champions League and who's on the brink. Obviously, their Champions League campaign has not got going. They've yet to win and yet to score uh, in the competition so far. This is the Daily Football Briefing, brought to you by The Athletic. Chaos, carnage, controversy. Welcome to Tottenham versus Chelsea. Here's the Swede, Kulisevsky, and it took a deflection and curls kindly in for Tottenham Hotspur. We thought we'd just seen a goal. What we've actually seen is the concession of a penalty and a red card for Christian Romero. yellow card, destiny for Doggy. Yellow is out again, and Tottenham Hotspur are reduced to nine. Sterling's in here, Jackson's with him, Raheem Sterling, Jackson scores, and last, finally they track the code. And he is sensing a hat-trick, he's got Mudrik for company, and Nicholas Jackson walks it in for his first Chelsea hat-trick, and Chelsea's winning margin is now handsome. It was a game that, when summed up, sounds more like the 12 days of Christmas than a football match. We had 12 first-half-added minutes, nine in the second, five disallowed goals, four goals to Chelsea, three of which by Jackson, two red cards for Spurs, and a Kulovseski deflected goal too. The game eventually finished 4-1 to the Blues after 111 minutes of action, bringing to an end Spurs' unbeaten run. That really doesn't do justice to what went on at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium on Monday night. We're going to analyse the game then from both perspectives and let's start with the hosts Tottenham and bring in our reporter there. You might recognise him, Tim Spears. Tim, that match, I mean, have you seen anything like it? No, Abby. Um, I've been watching football for more than 30 years and I've never seen a match like this in my life. And yet, they, you know, they could easily have equalised a couple of times when they were 2-1 down. But ultimately, you've got to say they lost their heads with the two red cards and, and it's cost them. And yet, when the third and fourth goals are going in, you know, the whole stadium's on its feet. Loud applause, fans absolutely loving the effort from their team, which you've got to say was absolutely monumental. Spurs started like a hot knife through butter cutting through that Chelsea defence. And then we get the red card of Romero and Odogi comes in the second half. I mean, from your perspective, why did the game and Spurs players get so out of control here? It is a derby. It's, it's always a heated occasion, this one. There's, there's a nasty element to this derby. There has historically been, you know, in recent years and years gone by. It's a big game for both teams. It was pretty feisty in the stands and on the pitch. And that's the kind of environment that Christian Romero just absolutely cannot help himself in. So he was really sort of back to his old self. But yeah, he couldn't help himself. I mean, he should have been sent off a few minutes earlier. And then the red card, I think he can have no complaints. 
Yeah, Ange Postacoglu has been really strong in his post-match press conference on the subject of VAR. He said, there will be a forensic study of every decision out there. I think that's the way the game is going and I don't like it. If you look at all the standing around we did today, maybe people enjoy that sort of thing. But I'd rather see us play football. I think that's a sentiment many can agree with. With the two red cards, though, meant that Spurs were down to nine men. But Spurs continued, as you've said, to play with a high line. They're on the halfway line for most of the time. And that's going to be a, such a huge discursive point for for podcasts and TV debate shows to come. But Tim, that's the Ange way, right? Spurs fans are going to get used to it. That man's not going to change his tactics, regardless of how many players are on the pitch. Let's talk about it on the Daily Football Briefing. You know, this this is, this is it was sort of, in, it's indicative of their approach, really. Like I said, you can call it brave, you can call it cavalier. It's certainly unconventional, you know. Uh, I'm not sure you'd get many teams playing on the halfway line with nine men. I mean, and it was clearly, it was clearly a, a very clear instruction for Postacoglu because they came out in the second half playing sort of rush football and it almost looked like rugby. It was farcical at one point. There was one occasion where there were seven of them, I think I counted, on the halfway line. And I guess you could say when you've got nine men, defeat feels inevitable. So Spurs went the exact opposite way. And like I said, at 2-1 down, they were twice very close to scoring an equaliser. I'd imagine then they may well have shut up shop. They've won more friends again tonight. You know, it's a Monday night game. A lot of people would have been watching it. And I think their, their, their brave approach and their refreshing approach will win a lot of supporters. But we are going to see what Ange is made of now. He's potentially lost four key players with Adogi and Romero off. And then James Madison and Mickey van der Ven, such key players for his side. They went off injured in the first half. That's going to cause him to really go back to the drawing board for the coming matches. Well, you know, one one thing that we've spoken about quite a lot really is um, can Spurs' squad keep them going with this, with this amazing start that they've had, and we're going to find out instantly because you know they've coped in a couple of recent weeks with like Basuma missing a game or one or two others missing a game, but now they've lost four players in one night. You cannot imagine that Mickey van der Ven is going to be back anytime soon. The way that he pulled up looked like a certain hamstring pull. We'll find out soon the consequences of that. I'm sure Postecoglou wouldn't have taken James Madison off if there wasn't some seriousness to his injury. Obviously, Romero is going to miss what at least two matches, and a dog is going to miss one. So uh, Wolverhampton Wanderers will be licking their lips because um, Spurs go there at the weekend. All four of those players have been really influential to Tottenham's start to the season. To lose both centre-halves when you haven't got much cover there, you're looking at possibly a back four on Saturday of Pedro Porra at right-back, Eric Dyer, Ben Davis at centre-half and Emerson Royale at left-back. Finally, finally, we've had the Battle of the Bridge. What are we calling tonight? I'm going with the tussle in Tottenham. Any further suggestions? The Tottenham Hotspur Stadium does not lend itself to many sort of cute nicknames like that, so I can't, cannot beat that, Abby. I'm sorry. <laughs> As for Chelsea, they'll be delighted to have won that match, of course, but maybe not necessarily in the way they did it. Our Chelsea reporter, Liam Toomey, was there. Liam, you've been in Pochettino's press conference, which has hopefully given you a bit of time to decompress a little from that match. Just sum it up from a Chelsea perspective. One of their worst performances of the season was rewarded with their best win. And that sounds absolutely crazy because if you'd presented the possibility of a 4-1 victory away at Spurs to any Chelsea fan, to Pochettino, to any of these players before the kickoff, it would have been the stuff of dreams. But in the final minutes, I witnessed the sight of Pochettino having a stand-up row with Thiago Silva on the, near the touchline as Nicholas Jackson wheeled away celebrating Chelsea's third goal. That, to me, summed up 
the weird feeling around this win. I don't think there will be satisfaction within Chelsea with their performance, even though it was the result they needed and ultimately by a convincing scoreline. Yeah, what has uh, Mauricio Pochettino been saying uh, since full-time? Pochettino put the best possible spin on it in his press conference, I think. And he was actually slightly frustrated with our line of questioning, because, <laughs> including my question, because I think a lot of us were asking variations of why were your team so bad for so long against nine men? And I think he preferred to put the emphasis on the character Chelsea showed, particularly early in the game when it looked briefly for 15, 20 minutes if they were in danger of being blown away uh, by Tottenham's fast start and the way that they ultimately got the job done in the, in the final 10, 15 minutes. Um, he'd clearly calmed down from the angry touchline presence that we'd seen with his own players during the half hour to 45 minutes that it took him to get to us in the in the press conference room. And, and overall, he, he painted a picture that this is something that Chelsea can build on. It was a result they desperately needed. And he raised the point that they've played well in lots of games this season and not won. Nicholas Jackson got a hat trick. It doesn't seem, though, that it, that is enough to, to quell the doubts around him as a finisher, does it? He got a hat-trick and yet underperformed his XG for the game, which I'm not sure has ever been done before. Uh, I will need to check that. In general, I, I, from what I've seen of Jackson this season, he's a really talented player. He has the makings of a very, very good Premier League striker. And Pochettino certainly believes that as well. He's on record as saying that. But he's been struggling for confidence recently. And I think he was noticeably anxious before he got that goal to put Chelsea 2-1 up. He, he he seemed to really be feeling the burden of trying to win the game for Chelsea. And he did calm down with the two goals that he scored late on. Maybe this can be the platform to better things for him. And can it be the platform to better things for Chelsea? Can this provide some sort of momentum for them? It's hard to say that when Manchester City comes to Stamford Bridge next weekend. Pochettino will certainly be hoping. I think they will they will cause some problems for Manchester City, but City are playing so well right now that it might be more a question of how do Chelsea maintain this feeling beyond a City defeat <laughs> rather than uh, rather than maintain it through it. Well, maybe a few more training drills with Nicholas Jackson about timing his runs and who knows what might happen. Liam, thank you very much. What that result means for the Premier League table is that Chelsea are now into the top half, moving to 10th, while Spurs stay second, a point behind City. Now, it goes without saying that we've barely scratched the surface of what went on in this match. But the good news is that we have not one, not two, but three podcasts out later for you to dive deeper into everything that happened in North London. There's the Athletic Football Podcast with Ayo Akinwaleri for an all-round look at the match. But if you fancy just going in on one side or the other, well, you can join Danny Kelly and co for the view from the lane. That's on the Tottenham side. As for the Chelsea perspective, there's straight out of Cobham. And they'll all be out later today, available wherever you're listening to this one now. You're listening to the Daily Football Briefing from The Athletic. Now let's park Tottenham versus Chelsea for now because the intensity does not drop because this is back. Yes, it's match day four of the Champions League and we're getting to that point where teams can start to see their places in the knockout stages secured or their European dreams shattered. 
Group G is the most likely place where we might see this happen tonight. Holders Manchester City are leading the way with nine points out of a possible nine. RB Leipzig are behind them on six, whilst Young Boys and Red Star Belgrade, or Svena Zvezda, if you will, have just a point each. City can qualify for the last 16 with a win tonight over Young Boys, although they may have to do it without Erling Haaland as he continues to recover from a twisted ankle which forced him off against Bournemouth at the weekend. Not that that affected City much. Barcelona are also in the position where they can assure their place in the knockouts with a win over Shakhtar Donetsk. And how vital will that be for the Catalan club? And I don't want to steal any thunder from tomorrow's show, but this won't be a surprise. Bayern Munich and Real Madrid can also find themselves in the round of 16 come the end of match day four. In fact, no team in the history of this iteration of the Champions League has had nine points out of a possible nine at this stage and been eliminated. So it's all sewn up, right? Well, nothing in football is certain. One group where that is definitely the case is our old friend Group F. PSG, Borussia Dortmund, Newcastle United and AC Milan. Just four points separate PSG in top spot and Milan at the bottom. And they face each other tonight at the San Siro. But it's the Italian side I want to focus on because there's a little cause for concern there. Last season's semi-finalists are struggling to be in this season's conversation for much longer. So it's high time we get our Italian football correspondent James Horncastle on to tell us what's going on with the Rossoneri. James, AC Milan versus PSG. It's a titanic European clash, but for Milan, we're in must-win territory, essentially. But they're not coming in with much momentum, are they? Not at all. Uh, It's been a really bad phase of the season for them since they came back from the last international break. Obviously, their Champions League campaign has not got going. They've yet to win and yet to score uh, in the competition so far. And there's a lot of pressure, particularly because at the weekend they lost at San Siro to Udinese and Udinese hadn't won a single game uh, all season. So the team was whistled off. Um, The coach, Stefano Pioli, who's always had the backing of the fans, was whistled as well. And if they are to turn this Champions League campaign around, then they need to start on Tuesday night against Paris Saint-Germain. Yeah, as you mentioned, they haven't scored a goal in the Champions League yet. Why are they struggling so much? They've created more than enough chances to win, particularly... I think going into the October international break, I think they deserve to be on six points from six for how they played uh, against Newcastle at home and then against Dortmund away. And there was just some silly decision-making in front of goal, which cost them. So, you know, on the one hand, you could look at this kind of scoreless streak and say it's because they don't have an alternative to a Giroud or they're still too dependent on Leao, even though they've signed Christian Pulisic. But the reality is, is that aside from the PSG game, away at the Parc des Princes, they have created enough chances. So it's tough to generalise because as blunt as they were at the weekend, there have been other games where they've created more than enough chances to to win. And you listen to the Italian radio, they will say, this is a Milan team that doesn't score enough goals. And that's the problem with this Milan team because it certainly does create enough with Christian in the team. And Christian Pulisic missed that match against Udinese, but there is hope that he might be back tonight. So let's talk about the game then. The reverse a couple of weeks ago was a 3-0 loss for Milan. What will they have learned, if anything, from that result in Paris? How good PSG are, particularly in midfield. PSG have just got so many incisive players up front. Yeah, that all-French front line of Dembélé, Colomouani, Mbappé. You can't really afford even to make a half mistake um, against them. But then Milan's goalkeeper, Mike Maignan, who's been the best goalkeeper in the league since Donnarumma left, He's actually had quite tough starts to the season. So again, I expect that he'll come under some 
some pressure with uh, with those strikers that I've just mentioned um, leading PSG's attack. Thanks, James. Um, one final stat for you. Paris are unbeaten in their last 10 games against Italian teams, winning four and drawing six. So things don't bode too well for Milan. To watch that match and all the others, you're going to need TNT Sports in the UK. They all kick off at 8pm, apart from Dortmund versus Newcastle and Shakhtar against Barcelona, which start at 5.45. In the US, the channel you need is Paramount+. Plus. And that's it for today's briefing show. Thank you very much for listening. I've been Abby Patterson. Your producer was Mike Zimmerman and executive producer was Ian McIntosh. If you like what you hear, then please do rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and tell your friends about us too. Michael Bailey will be back with you tomorrow to run through all those scores from the Champions League. Until then, have a great day. The Athletic.